Prospects to Pros is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know college and NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime is a new app that takes advantage of these last-minute deals and brings them to you from thousands of trusted sellers. View your seats from the app, buy in two taps, it's that simple. And the GameTime app has all the NHL, NBA, and concert tickets you want at the best prices. So even in the off-season, it's still game time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Dane Brugler and our producer Kent Garrison. And it was a crazy week of college football as we hoped it would be. Obviously, LSU Alabama was the showcase, but uh, had the Minnesota upset of Penn State. Iowa State took Oklahoma right down to the wire. Uh, Baylor TCU triple overtime. Illinois back from 25 down to beat uh, Michigan State. Just wild games all weekend. A lot of fun. And uh, uh, how'd you do, Dane? You, you make it through the entire day. There's a lot to take in there. Well, I tell you, some of those some of the night games were tough because when you have LSU Alabama at the three thirty Eastern, and the you know the midday, you're worn out. But you know, it's usually those games are at night, so you know it's six thirty, and you're okay, you're spent. And here there are you know a dozen more games to go uh, to track the rest of the night. So it definitely was a long day, but you know what? I, I'll never complain about that when we talk about the caliber of some of these games and just the fact that they really they lived up to it. Um, especially Alabama LSU, and we have to start there. Uh, it, it was, I, I think, predictable from a lot of uh, perspectives. You know, Tua he. Started great, but there was obvious he was shaking off some rust. Um, and that's to be expected considering he hasn't played in three weeks. He had a procedure uh, on his ankle just 20 days ago. Um, but Joe Burrow, I mean, what, what did we... What have we been talking about the whole year? Like, okay, let's just let's wait till he go, has to go to Tuscaloosa. You know, are we still going to see that same high level of play, the same calm demeanor, the same uh, amazing ball placement that he's shown all year? And that's exactly what we saw. Um, this was really Joe Burrow telling the doubters, hey, uh, you're running out of reasons to doubt me because I'm just going to do this again in Tuscaloosa on the biggest of stages and have a very clean game. Um, I mean, one of the biggest negatives that he took a delay of game on fourth and one that caused him to punt the football. I mean, that was really besides that, I mean, he did have a fumble on a, on a blitz where he tried to get the ball out quickly and ended up being a fumble and a turnover. Besides those two things, it was a really clean game for Joe Burrow. He was on point timing, accuracy. Um, he was under constant pressure, but he was able to use his legs and his creativity and his mind uh, to make things happen. Uh, if you take away the sack yardage, he had 96 yards rushing. Uh, I mean, we had, when's the last time a quarterback had close to that uh, number uh, rushing? Uh, is it maybe Johnny Manziel? Um, I, don't, I don't remember what Deshaun Watson did. I mean, it, it, it just we don't see it very often. So, This is not the Alabama defense uh, we're used to seeing, but at the same time, I don't want that should not be the takeaway from this game. The takeaway should be these two quarterbacks are legit NFL top of the 
first round prospects like we expected. And Joe Burrow might be the new quarterback number one. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on sort of my line of thinking, which, you know, we, I, I was with you coming into the year that I think Tool was well, the top available quarterback or the top guy we thought was going to be available. And he maintained that status for most of the season. I, I'm having a hard time not moving Burrow into that spot just because I don't know what else you can ask him to do. I don't know what questions I have left of him. I mean, it seems like he's doing it in all circumstances uh, against all defenses. And like you said, in different ways. I mean, he won a lot of those plays with his legs. They had a hard time uh, keeping him in the pocket and containing him. Um, He even broke out like the, you know, he had the fake quarterback draw through a slant for 15 yards. Like the, it looked like one of the I mean, like pop passes that Tim Tebow and Denard Robinson and those guys used to run to their tight ends. Like um, it just the types of things he's able to do in and out of the pocket are just so impressive. I think he uh, we saw a few plays where he really used his eyes to move the safeties and, and came back the other way and made throws and fitting them into tight windows. So just I, I just don't know what else there is we need to see from him at this point. Uh, and I think it is it's just crazy the amount of progress he's made this season and, and to put him in this conversation, I think he's clearly in this conversation as the potential first, maybe first pick off the board uh, when mm-hmm. we get to the 2020 draft. So he was great. I mean, and two Oh two, like you said, it was, you know, he wound up throwing for 418 yards and four touchdowns. And you kind of look back at, you know, the interception, the fumble that he, you know, just sort of dropped the ball while he was trying to scramble, um, you know, two mistakes that in a five point game, you'd probably rather have back, but, um, I think we saw that second half was once he settled in and started to feel a little more comfortable. I think you're right. I think he was shaking off the rust, maybe trying to even get a feel for what he could and could not do on that ankle. Uh, and it kind of looked like that in the first half. He never really seemed all that comfortable, and it was 33-13 at halftime. But then in the second half, you know, you kind of saw the the tool we've come to expect, and it was to see him bounce back like that and to perform the way he did. When he wasn't probably wasn't at a hundred percent and uh, was a little limited, was impressive too. So it was if you came into this game thinking Tua was the QB one, you're probably still there. And, and same thing for Joe Burrow because I don't know that either of them uh, did anything that should knock them down any boards for sure. No, I agree there, but I, I do think that Burrow did enough in this game where it's sure. Teams that were or evaluators that were thinking that it was Tua, then Burrow, or Tua, then a gap, then Burrow, um, or, you know, whatever order, you know, it's time to legitimately think of Burrow as, if not neck to neck, uh, you know, just a little bit ahead because of what he's done this season. And if the greatest worry you have with Joe Burrow is the fact that, He's doing this all as a senior, and we don't. It, it, we rarely see a jump from a junior year to senior year like this for a quarterback. I mean, it, it's 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 just rare. We don't see it, and so for a lot of people, this is going to be tough for them to uh, really hundred percent buy in because we haven't seen it before. You know, that's why it, there's so many doubters about Pat Mahomes. When was the last time we saw a Texas Tech quarterback? go and do uh, big things in the NFL. That's why Kyler Murray, for a lot of people, was not thought to be a top five pick because when was the t- for last time we saw a, five, a sub 5'11 quarterback, sub 200-pound quarterback uh, go and do those type of things? So, you know, there's 
there's so much that you look at the senior year and it, it that, that's the one thing is it's not just been the senior year. It's been, you go back to last year, the last four games, really since the Alabama game last year. So the, say the last calendar year in all, there'll be about 17, 18, 19 games, whatever ends up being of really high level play for Joe Burrow. And this isn't like a three game stretch. This is going to end up being like I said, a 17, 18 game stretch of really, really near elite level football for Joe Burrow. And that's something that that's enough of a sample size that I can buy into. And I think NFL teams will too. And especially if Joe Burrow ends up going to the senior bowl, obviously he's going to get an invite. The question will be, does he end up going? Um, Cause that's where a, a place where he could really crush it and kind of even make some separation at the top because Tua will not be eligible for that. Here's another issue too, and I think it was Joe Gu- Guberry who uh, does some covers the Bengals, does some draft stuff for us at the Athletic. Um, and it, again, if you're listening here, we have our uh, Thursday shows are for subscribers only, and also you can get on theAthletic.com uh, if you haven't got a subscription yet. Get to theAthletic.com/slash/prospects to pros, get some money off, get the subscription. You can check out Dane's work and my work and uh, Joe Goodberry, who I'm mentioning because he brought up this sort of bump we see from quarterbacks a lot of times when they hit sort of this like 22 23 year old range and that's right where Joe Burrow is he's 22 he's gonna be 23 next month and I guess I kind of wonder how much that goes into the discussion for NFL teams when you're drafting a guy who will be a you know he'll turn 24 during his rookie year like are you thinking that there's still going to be five six years of development or you know are, are you now kind of getting to where you're seeing Joe Burrow kind of, I don't want to say peak early, but you're getting this really big bump and then it's going to level off for a little bit. And then maybe you get another bump a few years from now. Like, is there any, is there any part of this discussion that's going to involve just his age and the, the amount of experience he's coming to the NFL with? I, th- I think it will. Um, when you look at it, like you said, Joe Burrow, he, when he's drafted, he will be uh, almost 23 and a half years old. Um, whereas Tua, when he's drafted, uh, he, he, well, he doesn't turn 22 until March. Um, and you know, you could look at a lot of these other underclassmen, Jordan Love, he, he'll be 21 and a half when he's drafted. Um, and you know, it's even uh, a guy like Justin Herbert, he's, he turns 22 in March as well. So, uh, this is a case where you do have an older quarterback and you know, the, the whole age thing is, it's debatable in my in my mind. I don't I don't pay as much attention to it because just uh, I, I think everyone matures at different ages, uh, mentally, physically, uh, especially quarterbacks. I don't think it's a hard fast rule where at twenty three we see that peak. Um, I, I do think that it's it would be fair to say when you look at Tua, there's probably more upside there. Meaning, you know, there's probably more of a ceiling for him to get better and, you know, just continue to improve and improve where with Joe Burrow, um, you know, I, I don't know if you necessarily see that high of a ceiling when what we're seeing right now might be nearest peak. And that's okay because I think right now it is going to be good enough to be a long-term NFL starter. Um, and that's, if I'm an NFL team, I'm, I'm excited about what Joe Burrow is right now. Plus, you have the fact that he could probably come in pretty quickly and contribute. Uh, oh, by the way, how amazing. And I don't think the Redskins are going to draft a quarterback because uh, Snyder – Haskins was a Snyder pick, and he's going to hire a coach that um, you know goes along with that thinking. So I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. But 
how amazing would it be if they drafted Joe Burrow? They currently, right now, the second overall pick. If they draft Joe Burrow and we get Joe Burrow versus Dwayne Haskins again uh, in in training camp to <laughs> right. see those two, it might be Burrow's chance for uh, a little revenge there. But, I mean, that, that was the whole thing with Joe Burrow is he was a big-time basketball player, a uh, big-time athlete um, in, in high school and goes to Ohio State and did nothing wrong. He just – you know, Haskins just a little bit better in practice and beat him out. And I mean, Haskins threw 50 touchdowns last year. So it's not exactly like Ohio State made the wrong choice, uh, but he goes to LSU and it's just, a, it was a little bit of a learning curve. He, uh, you know, it, it took some time for him to get adapted to a new offense and uh, new surroundings, uh, new verbiage and new chemistry with receivers. And we saw that towards the end of last year and then bringing in Joe Brady, a new play caller, that was what really got him over the hump, and now we're seeing we're seeing this. And the biggest thing to take away from I think Joe Burrow in this season is just the competitive toughness. I mean, the guy I've said it before; he's a stone cold killer. He stands in there. He does. He rarely looks rattled. Uh, you don't see any panic in what he does. Uh, he anticipates what the defense is going to do. He game plans for it. And so just really, really impressive from a mental standpoint, a toughness standpoint, the competitiveness that he has. So just aside from the physical aspect, the accuracy, just so impressed with the intangibles with Joe Burrow. And that's going to carry him a long way with evaluators. And I, I, I'd say the same thing about Tua as well. I mean, it, again, a guy that just had surgery on his ankle who clearly wasn't 100%. And he battled. I mean, he he did not give up in that game. He took a lot of hits. He was constantly on the move. He, there had to be discomfort uh, going on. But uh, he did not let that really affect his game all too much. Uh, and still put together uh, a really, really strong performance. Uh, and they only, Alabama, even though it felt like they were playing catch up the entire game, they only lost by five points. So, um, you know, it was a just a really impressive effort when we talk about the competitiveness and the toughness for both of these guys. Yeah, Joe Brady, uh, I think we're going to be hearing that name quite a bit here in the next couple of months. Uh, there's yeah. going to be a lot of teams lining up trying to steal him uh, out of LSU and see if they can get in for a head coaching interview. I mean, it, it probably it might be a little early for NFL teams to come calling, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like NFL teams are always looking for that guy who's, uh, you know, sort of the next wave of of young, uh, intelligent coordinators. And right. he, he's maybe he gets in the mix. Maybe maybe he's reunited in the NFL with uh, Joe Burrow. But I, I mean, I think you're right. I think you go back, and I don't think you necessarily knock Joe Burrow for what happened before this season. And we've talked about it before, kind of by Burrow's own admission. Like the arm strength was one of the things he wanted to work on to get better when he was losing that uh, QB battle at Ohio State. And again, I don't know that you watch him and still have that as a question mark. Maybe he doesn't have a. a a cannon like some of the top guys in the NFL, but certainly that arm's th strong enough to make the throws he's attempting. And I think, again, you saw him this past week fit some of those throws into tight windows. He's able to do it on the run. I mean, I, I he's checked off every box you could possibly want him to check off to this point in the season. And, and <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting conversation for whichever team winds up uh, you know, it's looking like Cincinnati now might be in that one spot, but whichever team's there and, and decides they want to go quarterback, I, you absolutely have to 
look at these guys as one, two, and try to figure out which type of guy you want moving forward. Um, but yeah, just a great, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch them go, go at it on Saturday. Yeah, it was. And I, I'm just glad it lived up to the hype. Um, I, but I, aside from, I really wasn't, you know, the quarterbacks obviously received a lot of the headlines and, you know, obviously we spent the first, uh, you know, how many minutes of this podcast talking about the quarterbacks, but there was back and back and forth from several positions uh, in this, in this game. You look at the running back, Najee Harris and Edwards Hilaire going back and forth with what they did and what they contributed to, you know, two number 22s. They made sure that you could not talk about this game without at least mentioning their contributions and how good both of these running backs were. Edwards Hilaire, he he was really fantastic in this game. And you look at each of uh, really all of uh, LSU's big games this year, Auburn, Florida, Uh, Now Alabama, Edward Solera, over 100 yards rushing in each of those games. He has been a big part of what LSU has done this year. And I wrote about it um, yesterday, uh, just my scouting recap and posted a few screen grabs um, and and clips. And the most impressive play in this game, and this is a, a game with a lot of impressive plays, the one that stuck with me the most was in the fourth quarter, third and 10, uh, the LSU's driving the Alabama territory. He, Alabama sends the A-gap blitz, uh, pressure right in the face of Joe Burrow. He's able to dump it off in the flat to Edwards Hilaire. Uh, first of all, amazing that uh, Burrow, he knew the blitz was coming. He was able to get the throw off. Amazing right there. But then Edwards Hilaire making the catch below his knees and then sticking his foot in the ground, getting north and south, and running right through Trevon Diggs, the corner, for the first down. To me, that was the play of the game. That extended the, the drive. They eventually went uh, and scored the touchdown. If they don't get that first down, it's a six-point game at that at that point. It's a long field goal attempt, and even if they do make it, then it's only a nine-point uh, deficit, and you know the Alabama's got a few more options. So to me, that was the play of the game that really uh, – not wasn't the nail in the coffin, but it was the I think the the boost that uh, LSU needed to kind of finish that game. So Edward Tillaire, uh, just a phenomenal uh, effort from him. Uh, and it, when I worked on my top 100 draft board last week, there were a handful of guys that I just hated leaving off, and Edward Tillaire was one of them because of just how important he's been uh, to that LSU offense. And you know, he made me regret it um, absolutely because I think he played. Like a guy that you're going to consider uh, as early as as day two. He reminds me of a, a smaller Mark Ingram w- with his run style, compact, tough, uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, then Najee Harris, he had he did make my top 100, and he did have a really good game. Average 7.7 yards per carry, um, had the back shoulder touchdown uh, catch that was really impressive. And the biggest knock on Najee Harris, the reason why we're not talking about him as a first-rounder or top 40 pick is because – Really worried about the vision. Uh, it's something that popped up on his tape quite a bit. But in this game, it, you didn't see that as much. He w- It was less thinking, more just attacking. And once he got through the hole and cleared the hole, good luck trying to tackle him. Grant Delpit, was he, he looked helpless trying to tackle Najee Harris. Um, it, just a really impressive night from him. Both these running backs, I thought, helped themselves. Yeah, uh, and I think with Edwards Hilaire too, like we talked so much about how much this game was big for for Burrow. You know, he kind of circled it on the calendar. But even with Alabama's defense maybe not playing up to the standards we've seen in the past, to go for over a hundred in that environment and 
to have 77 yards receiving, like that's going to stand out for NFL scouts when they go back and, and look at his tape. And I think the other thing that jumps out for me is, you know, he was a guy that was, you know, 15 touches, maybe 20 touches on a really heavy workload game through most of the season and last season. And then Auburn, uh, two games ago, he had 33 touches. He comes back with 29 touches in this game. So he's proving that he can be, you know, a guy that you're using a lot and not just to grind out the clock, but as a guy that you can use a lot to expect to break some plays for you. He had 136 yards rushing that Auburn game, uh, 180 yards from scrimmage on, on Saturday. So yeah, I mean, he's, like you said, if he wasn't in the top hundred before for a lot of teams or a lot of people, he might be there now. And, uh, but the safeties are the other spot. I think yeah. we, we've talked about the receivers sort of leading into this game. And obviously there were some pretty impressive performances, uh, from the receivers, Devontae Smith on the Alabama side, pretty much everyone on LSU has been good all year, uh, at wide receiver. But, um, those couple safeties, uh, Delpit and, uh, McKinney on the other side, I think you, as you wrote in that, that, uh, post you mentioned on the athletic, uh, you kind of got the pros and cons of both guys in this game. Yeah. It's just, these guys, are, <laughs> maybe more of the cons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Both of these guys left me wanting more and uh, Xavier McKinney, uh, he, he led uh, all defenders and tackles in this game. I think he had 13, he had two and a half tackles for a loss. He, he had a, a strip sack. He blocked an extra point. He didn't have a bad game. But there were a couple times, just from an evaluation standpoint, um, and I, I did get the All-22 yesterday, so I was able to watch that. And it showed up several times where it, spacing was a consistent issue for him in coverage. And I get it. That's why he's a safety, not a corner. But when we're talking about uh, first-round safeties, I just I, I need more of a playmaker in coverage. And... I think Grant Delpit has shown that at times, but where Grant Delpit falls short is as a tackler and coming downhill run support. Sometimes his pursuit angles are off. Sometimes it's just his play strength is just not enough to ground the ball carrier. Um, a lot of times he doesn't wrap. He just, he'll throw his shoulder and he'll just whiff, uh, leave his feet too often, uh, too quickly. So both of these guys, you know, I think if you combine them, you might have a top five pick because of what McKinney can do breaking down downhill as a tackler. And then what Delpit can do with his range and cover awareness uh, deep. But it's their weaknesses that I think really showed in this game and why I think there's reason to doubt both. Now, Delpit, while you do need, no question, you need tacklers. You need safeties who can tackle and you can rely on them. But safeties who can cover are likely more valuable in today's game than uh, box defenders, which is what McKinney is. And so that's why Delpit's probably the higher rated safety but it's a hard sell for either of these guys in the top 20 picks, at least, you know, based off of what we've seen this year, especially this tape. And, you know, it's just it's going to make a really challenging conversation when you talk about the safety position, because it's not a great group overall. Um, there's a lot of intriguing guys. Ashton Davis, we talked about the Lenore Ryan kid. Antoine Winfield from Minnesota, who has seven picks this year, uh, you know, making his his dad pretty proud with what he's doing at Minnesota. Um, but he, you know, he's five nine. How many five nine safeties are going to be drafted in the first round uh, who aren't going to run particularly well? So 
there's a lot of question marks with this safety class and, uh, you know, how early they're going to go. And it, it starts with these two guys, uh, with Delpit McKinney. I don't, I don't think either helped themselves. Um, it just really, it, it shined a light on what we've thought so far and that they have both have weaknesses that could be kind of an Achilles heel at the next level. I mean, if you draft the one guy, you basically need to have the other type of guy on your roster, right? I mean, that's and scheme sort of what for you're it, looking right. at. And scheme like for if, it, making sure that you don't, you know, that you're not, you know, putting him in a position where he's going to be asked to do uh, what he struggles to do and, you know, play to his strengths. And so it becomes a little tougher on defenses and the coordinator and the play calling to make sure that you are accommodating the plays to fit what he does best. And, you know, it's it does make it a little tough. Ideally, you want all around guys that you can stick in situations to be play free or strong to play, uh, you know, in the box or single high. And, you know, those guys are obviously are not common. But when we talk about first round safeties, that's what you're looking for. Um, and so far, I, I don't think either of these guys have really blown us away as being, hey, yeah, we will. We belong in those top 20 picks. Well, uh, we spent about 25 minutes of what's supposed to be like a 30, 35-minute <laughs> show on LSU-Alabama. So uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Antoine Winfield, though, because obviously he was great on Saturday in that Minnesota upset uh, of Penn State. Just to, uh, <laughs> And that was a noon game. So we talked the night games weren't all that compelling <laughs> for the most part. Right. I mean, we had the Oklahoma-Iowa State uh, finish there, but um, had, had some other forgettable ones, but uh, that noon window, Minnesota goes out and I think open a lot of eyes with that performance. Um, we'll probably be talking about their quarterback next year, <laughs> I don't, yeah. uh, maybe the year after, depending on when he uh, starts setting his sights on the trap. But he was great. Um, we talked about Tyler Johnson, but Antoine Winfield, uh, you know, I, I think we're at a point now where we have to wonder if he's maybe going to be part of this class. And as you mentioned, it looking like the safety class is a little wide open. So uh, you always assume that kind of plays into the decision for these guys. Yeah. And Winfield's the rare fourth year sophomore. Um, he, so he, he was eligible last year if you want to come out. Um, he's had a couple seasons cut short due to injury. So uh, I think he's already been approved for six years of eligibility if he wants it. Um, so he has two more years in college if he wants to do that. Um, I, I think there's a good chance he could jump after this year, considering his age, considering he's having a fantastic season tied for the, uh, what, or he's one behind the second in the FBS, I believe in interceptions with seven now. Um, and he's going to be, and he, he's not the, the issues with him. I don't think are going to get any better with another year or two in college. He's not going to get taller. I don't think he's going to add, you know, tenths of a second to his 40 yard dash time. Uh, but he's just a really instinctive player. Uh, he understands route combinations. He puts himself in position to uh, make those uh, interceptions. Uh, you know, it's, we talk about safeties being opportunistic and taking advantage of bad mistakes. Well, a lot of times it's because they're putting themselves in position to uh, to take advantage. And Winfield is an example of that uh, right place, right time type of guy. So, you know, and of course he has the bloodlines. You know, his dad was a right. uh, nickel corner in the NFL for a long time, played outside corner as well, was outstanding at Ohio State. Um, I almost, I believe he's a first round pick, um, like at what, yep. 99? Yep. Yeah. And so he was part of the 99 class. And then he goes to Minnesota and carves out a long career as a productive uh, corner uh, for them. And, 
you know, it's just it's tough to bet against guys like that that have that type of pedigree and that type of resume. But when he goes to the combine and he's five nine and he runs uh, not as impressive as you want him to run, uh, how is that going to affect his draft grade? Uh, that that will be interesting. But yeah, he he has put together some strong tape this year, especially with his ability to go up and get the football. And he's a really strong tackler as well. Um, you see him when he closes. Uh, you know, he's able to calm his feet, wrap. Uh, and he has a little thump at contact. So uh, Winfield is a guy that you can you have a lot of positives when you're done watching the tape on him. Yeah, and you mentioned his dad uh, was a five nine guy, and uh, again, right. like you said, he was a slot corner, but he was in the NFL for whatever. I mean, it was like twelve or thirteen years at least that he carved out that career, and and was a really good player. So um, certainly, there's he's inherited some of his dad's traits uh, not to take anything away from the work I'm sure he's put in to be a, a good player himself but um, you know some of those instincts are there for sure and he was really good um, in that game a big win for man, and, row the boat, quick, in that game, <laughs> I, I think that uh, the two best players in that game were both sophomores who we probably yeah. won't see in this uh, and that Rashad Bateman the wide receiver from Minnesota who like Tyler Johnson is a good player uh, don't get me wrong but Rashad Bateman is clearly the best receiver on that team. Um, he is a, a big-time weapon who, yeah, like I said, only a true sophomore, so not eligible. The other sophomore I wanted to talk about, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end for Penn State. This guy is a tough matchup nightmare. Uh, what? Why was Penn State throwing fades and jump balls to KJ Hamler <laughs> in the end zone? I I don't understand. I put eighty seven out there, match him up one on one, and just throw it up and see what happens. Because it, Minnesota was not able to stop him most of the game. A really good athlete, really good route runner, but he has the size, the power. Um, and what's really interesting with Fryermuth is there is a at least a, sh- a chance that he will be eligible for the twenty twenty draft, and he could be. Uh, tight end one in this draft and he is only two years removed from high school but he spent five years in high school because he reclassified and so I have talked to several scouts who have who are spending a little bit of time working on him because there they there are some whispers that he will at least apply and he'll have a chance to uh, because of his unique situation where he reclassified and spent uh, five years uh, in at the high school level before he got to college, there's at least a chance that the NFL could approve his waiver and he could be part of the 2020 NFL draft. So there are several teams who are scouting him as if he will be part of the 2020 class. Now, I don't know. Not, I don't think anybody knows besides Firemuth. He has not said whether or not he wants to declare or come out after uh, two seasons, but there could be, at least be that option for him and he's been good enough where I think he could be a legitimate candidate for tight end one in this class wow that's pretty interesting I, I hadn't heard that I mean is that is there any precedent for anything like that I don't remember I well, don't know that I we've had a few guys like no I mean we've had a few guys um you know Larry Fitzgerald comes to mind as a guy who he was a true sophomore uh, at Pitt when he came out. He spent a year at one of those military academies. So, sure. you know, that was a little different, um, you know, getting grades in order to, you know, it's not quite, it's not, it's different than a JUCO, uh, a year at JUCO. It's similar. It's, so there's a lot of gray area there. And so there's, I don't think there's a clear answer about whether or not he's going to be eligible. 
Um, you know, we just rarely do we see a guy have five years of, of high school level, um, uh, you know, play before he gets to uh, college. And so I think it's just a rare occasion where I really don't know uh, if he's going to, if the NFL is going to uh, approve it or not, how they view it. Uh, you know, the rule is, you know, plain and simple. You have to be three years removed from high school. So technically he's not, I, I, you know, I, I guess, but could this be a little bit of a loophole? Uh, you know, there might be a, you know, some type of footnote to that rule that says, unless blah, 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 blah. I don't know. And so, you know, there, there is something that where we, we don't have a lot of precedent for this and, you know, we could uh, have a little bit of a surprise to this draft class. If he decide and again, he, he hasn't decided at least to my knowledge has not decided that he's going to petition the NFL for this, but there, there could be at least the option. And there are some teams that are treating it as such. Well, the, the other sophomore, uh, well, redshirt sophomore that I mentioned is T- Tanner Morgan was great in that game. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's quarterback uh, throws the ball, re- makes some really nice throws downfield. The one Tyler Johnson catch that, you know, he yeah. got the highlight reel grab, the one-handed catch, but it was, a, I mean, the throw could not have been placed any more perfectly. He basically just stuck his hand out and it landed right in his, <laughs> yeah. right in his arm as he was going up the sideline. Um, I, I mean, I, we haven't talked about Tanner Morgan as a 2020 draft guy i haven't heard anything about him maybe being a 2020 draft guy but certainly want to give him credit for that performance and at least mention that that's someone we may have to pay attention to down the road maybe not five six months from now but a year from now i mean he seems like there's some tools there to work with yeah he deserves it i mean what he's done uh i mean minnesota's undefeated record for a lot of reasons for that and and the quarterback's one of them um i I, you know what i I think that i think both those sophomore quarterbacks are going to be guys to watch i i know clifford did not have a great game uh there were some throws that he made that were just leave you scratching your head but he is a really good athlete and with the way he moves and it's just kind of the spurts of, oh, wow, okay, that's a really good play. It, it's just if he can figure out how to turn that into any type of consistency, uh, Sean Clifford is going to be a pretty interesting prospect down the line. Another uh, redshirt sophomore. So, you know, we still have two more years uh, potentially uh, of Clifford where he can get better and grow as a player. So, But he's shown at least some of the raw traits that you want to see in a young player. So, yeah, both of these quarterbacks are going to be guys to watch for the future, no question. Uh, I don't know what other games you wanted to get into. I mean, my notes include uh, I've got Jonathan Taylor down at 250 against Iowa and sort of the classic uh, Big Ten game. I have just <laughs> my note literally says C.D. Lamb is insane. That's the note <laughs> I have from the Oklahoma game. So it's all, all we you talk about say. him some more. Yeah, I mean, he's crazy. Some of those catch and runs he has are just ridiculous. The one touch long uh, touchdown grab he had. I mean, he just looks like he's. Like he's hitting the turbo button that no one else has when he's on the field. Um, a lot of people are going to yeah, say, well, you know, Big 12 defense and, you know, sure. but I, I, for a guy that's 6'1, he moves like he's a guy that's 5'10. Uh, and it's just, it's, I, and he might not, he might only run like a 4.50. You know, like I, the long speed is, is good. It's not amazing, but it's just that quickness where that initial acceleration, uh, he's so efficient at the, turning going from ball carrier or to go from pass catcher to ball carrier like it's just really natural and so that really aids him in uh creating after the catch uh and so that initial acceleration that initial quickness really really impressive um cd lamb 
yeah, he uh, that, that was a close game, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, a Big 12 game that Matt Campbell, uh, you know, I thought, you know, he had his Iowa State game, team ready to play. They always play OU tough, it seems. Uh, but, uh, you know, they were able to squeak it out, uh, the Sooners. Uh, well, I know, one more guy I did want to get to because we've talked about him a bunch is Jordan Love. Yes. And this was a 37-35 win for, for Utah State at Fresno. He went for 388. Uh, two touchdowns on 30 of 39 passing. And this was, uh, was this his best game of the season? I mean, to, it yes. felt like his best game of the season, maybe by a big margin. Like he looked, he looked great the whole night. Yep. And, and this is why he is still in the first round discussion. This is why, even though it's been a rough year for him, uh, body of work, this game showed exactly why teams are excited about what he could be. Uh, and it, it, he put together a full game. Um, he finished 30 of 39, almost 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers, uh, led his team down uh, for had a, a chance at a game-winning field goal, which they hit, won the football game. Uh, but and I posted the so check out on Twitter at DP Brugler. I posted his two touchdown uh, throws. Both of them were just perfect seeds. Uh, the one was a skinny post. He executed it perfectly. Uh, you know, started to his left, worked back to his right, uh, fired a perfectly accurate ball. Uh, both of his touchdowns were on third down, by the way. Uh, then the second touchdown was just a perfectly lofted uh, fade in on uh, the far side of the field, uh, right, uh, tugged, uh, or hugged up against uh, the sideline, put it, ex- dropped it exactly in the spot where the corner couldn't make a play, but the wide receiver uh, could cleanly catch it, uh, put his foot down in bounds. Both of his touchdowns were just examples of why he is has a good chance of being a first round pick if he decides to declare. Uh, put together a really nice game, and I, I know he has not had a great year. I get that, but this game is why scouts are really giddy about just the raw talent and what he can grow into and develop into. Yeah, and the uh, receiver on the other end of both of those touchdowns, uh, CLC Mariner, is mm-hmm. kind of a interesting name. Uh, Utah to Utah State transfer, and he's had a good year for them. Um, he's up to six touchdowns now, 630 yards. Uh, I know they were expecting him to be a, a playmaker this year, and he, he has been for them, certainly, in that offense. But, yeah, that was the Jordan Love. I haven't been as aggressive to hop on the Jordan Love uh, bandwagon as as maybe you've suggested people mm-hmm. should be or you think NFL teams might be. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, I mean, he was really, really good in that game and, and sort of hit on all those notes that you said. I thought it was, and especially on the road, tight game, you know, he needed a couple drives. And, and yeah, those throws that you tweeted out were, were great throws. I mean, he had a, he was really strong on Saturday night, and that's, I think it was an important game for him because we've talked about some of these kind of bellwether moments for him throughout the season. And he hasn't always, he hasn't gotten help from his teammates, but he hasn't always shown up in those moments. And, and so this was one that he maybe needed just to kind of get some momentum going towards the end of the year here. Hmm. Um, anyone else jump out for you on Saturday as uh, you were scanning through the, the college football landscape there? You know, I mean, that was the main thing. Um, you know, Maryland kept it close against Ohio State. Um, <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Um, that was, wasn't even close. Uh, I mean, as good as Chase Young is, um, Ohio State did not have any issues there. Um, hopefully we find some, 
you know, some more information on Chase Young this week about how long he's going to be out. Obviously, that's a, uh, you know, big part of, uh, you know, the draft conversation, the college football landscape. Um, I do think that one other guy I wanted to touch on, um, a player who accepted his senior bowl invite uh, last week, uh, one of the intriguing wide receivers in this class, Antonio Gandy-Golden for Liberty, um, going up against BYU, one of the better opponents that Liberty uh, will play this year. I thought Gandy Golden was fantastic. He had double-digit catches, had over 100 yards receiving, had a touchdown. Um, he's, he's a good-looking athlete um, with a size. Uh, you know, he's, he's close to 6'4". Um, he's going to run uh, probably in the 4.48 to 4.53 uh, range. He, he has pretty good speed. Uh, he's tough. He can make the first defender miss. Um, I, I like how he catches the ball with his hands. Doesn't necessarily uh, rely on his body to finish those grabs. So I don't think he's necessarily an explosive player, but he's athletic, he's reliable, um, and uh, he's been productive. He's Liberty's all-time record holder and catches. So uh, this is a guy that is really intriguing, and I cannot wait to see in Mobile because, uh, you know, I think he's right there in that mix. When you talk about a lot of these senior wide receivers that have size, you're talking about uh, the Michael Pittmans, the Colin Johnsons, um, Chase Claypool's in that mix. Uh, Gandy Golden's right there. It's somewhere he, and I think he belongs somewhere in you know rounds what three to five somewhere. And so it's just trying to differentiate himself from these other taller receivers. And you know it'd be important for him, especially at the Senior Bowl, to show why he is different and you know that he can be uh, maybe a little bit better uh, than some of those guys in some certain areas. So. Um, I think he's definitely a player that could be on the rise if he has a good week in Mobile. Yeah, and I think I, I either mentioned it on one of our earlier shows or you I did, mentioned yeah. on Twitter. Like, I think he rem- I get some very Kenny Galladay esque vibes from him. And he hmm. Galladay's a six four guy. He ran a ran a four five, I think, uh, ahead of the draft, and it, it was. It, just the way he moves before and after the catch reminds me of Galladay. Those long strides, you know, covers a lot of yeah. ground, even if he doesn't have blazing speed. Like maybe he doesn't even need the big windows to fit throws in because he is so good with his hands and how he positions his body. And so it, it just, uh, I get a little bit of that feel from him. And uh, I think I've seen other people kind of tweet out a similar comparison. So I don't want to, hopefully, I'm not stealing that from anyone. But that's the, that was kind of the vibe I get watching him, especially just the way that stride really. Really reminds me of Galladay. How much, how he's able to cover. You know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need the short, choppy, quick steps because he's just covering so much ground every time he takes a step. He's just so long uh, with the way he runs. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's interesting. He's had a good year. No, he has, and you know, Galladay, of course, from the MAC, so he didn't face you know top level competition necessarily. Maybe that was a reason why uh, you know he wasn't as highly thought of. Um, and the same could happy happen with Gandy Golden. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of Galladay. I mean, it was definitely one of the when people ask me prospects that I got right. I mean, he Galladay's on my on my resume as a guy that I loved and had a high grade on, and uh, you know he's turned out that way. Um, and Gandy Golden. Eager to see him in person um, to see if, you know, because the one thing that I do worry about is just natural explosion. I agree with the stride and the size and the ball skills. Um, I, I do want to see it in, in the NFL, uh, obviously, 
just creating that little bit of separation is a big deal. And can he, is he, does he have a little more juice at the top of his routes where he can create that little sliver of separation? Doesn't have to be much, but enough that he can give his quarterback a passing window. Uh, and I think he'll better get a better feel for that, uh, seeing him in person uh, during one on ones, especially when, you know, we talk about a lot of these guys going one after the other. Um, if these if these wide receivers, if they all stay in, it's going to be a lot of fun watching one-on-ones. We talk about Brandon Ayuk and Brian Edwards, Michael Pittman, uh, Colin Johnson and Duvernay from Texas both accepted their invites. Um, uh, Lipscomb from Vanderbilt. Uh, I expect John Hightower to receive an invite. Uh, there, there's a couple other guys who it might get squeezed out just because there's only so many spots. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these senior receivers uh, down in Mobile. Yeah, Hightower uh, from Boise State, that's a guy I know you've, you've brought up before and have been pretty high on just uh, the skill set there too. So yeah, I mean, it, that's a <laughs> we talked about it last week. That's a really good group. I think tight end's a good group. It looks like the defensive backs will be interesting. Those are always, uh, I mean, the in-the-trenches battles are fun in Mobile, but those, uh, those cornerback receiver matchups usually are what draw the most eyes from the, the crowd i think just people yeah. watching because they're so much fun to they're so entertaining to kind of track throughout the week and it looks like yeah i mean hope like you said hopefully all those guys stick because that's a really 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 good group they've got so far um, it is and one other thing i wanted to mention before uh we let people go uh watch disney plus um it's so <laughs> yeah. vernon hargrace was just released um so a former first round pick who I think he's a good example of a player who had so much hype going into his final year of college and necessarily didn't play like it um, as a junior at Florida, but because, you know, there was already the narrative created and because he tested okay, you know, tested well enough, um, you know, still went fairly high, went top 15, but, you know, the consistency hasn't been there from him. Uh, There have been effort issues. And the Bucks finally just got tired of it. Um, but it's you know fair to say he will go down as uh, one of the bigger uh, busts for uh, for that team for that franchise. Um, and uh, that I think that draft as a whole had produced a few of them. Um, but you know, Vernon Hargraves uh, cut today from Tampa Bay. Is the uh, Brugler household going to be a Disney Plus household? I think so. Uh, Rescue Rangers, <laughs> Tailspin. Are you kidding me? That, I, that's what I grew up on. Uh, and so I cannot tell you how excited I am to introduce my four-year-old son and my three-year-old daughter to yeah, those shows. Yeah, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, um, uh, DuckTales, the original DuckTales, uh, Gummy Bears. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of those late 80s, early 90s shows, that uh, cartoons that I think you and I probably both grew up with. I mean, how, how about you? I mean, same kind of t- t- Same type of deal? Uh, I haven't talked about it with my wife, but this might be one where I just go for it on my own. Just <laughs> seven bucks a month, off. you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's uh, uh, some of the some of the best uh, cartoon theme songs of all time, mm. probably there too. I could still get Good into point. the. I might still be able to pull pull some of the Tailspin uh, yeah theme song from <laughs> the back of my head. Somewhere Absolutely, Baloo, <laughs> Baloo, yeah. Uh, can't can't get better than that. It was that was. I remember coming home from school, first grade, second grade, and. Uh, turning that on the TV, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. So that's uh, sooner or later we'll we'll probably be signing up. 
Well, there you go. There, no, we need to get uh, get some sponsorship for next week. Yeah, exactly. They're probably doing all right. They're probably doing all right selling. selling. But uh, anyway, so we'll be back, as I mentioned, Thursday. Uh, that show will look ahead to next weekend. Got some more interesting college football games, some uh, top 25 battles on the schedule. Um, that's for subscribers only. So if you haven't signed up for The Athletic yet, get to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros. You can get some money off your subscription. Uh, also, that subscription gets you access to our entire podcast network as well as everything on our site. And obviously, this is a busy season. Uh, college football, college hoops underway, NBA, NHL, uh, Premier League, every, anything you want. Um, so make sure you get over, get a subscription. Thanks to all of you who have uh, already made that leap, and uh, we, hope, we hope it's worth your while. So uh, we'll be back in a couple days. For Dane Brugler and Kent Garrison, I'm Chris Burke. Thanks for listening.